When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Pre-recorded, but I'll just, what we're going to do is play just a little bit of audio of uh, Dan Ricardo. Or you probably would have seen it anyway. Speaking post-race, just looked absolutely mm-hmm. defeated. So we're just going to use that as a play on, um, and then we'll get into it. Sure, easy. All right, man. Ready? Ready. I mean, it's not, it's honestly, it's 2022. It's been the year that it's been just uh, so far off the pace that it's, I simply can't, uh, can't lean on it, can't push, can't get the time out of it. It's, uh, yeah, also the inconsistency through the lap times. It's, uh, it shows that it really is a struggle, but to have such a big margin again, it's, um, remains a mystery. So, yeah. Not, uh, I love Texas, I love Austin, but that race itself for me was uh, not enjoyable. When you think it can't get worse, uh, it does. So that's where I, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I'm continuing to continue because uh, it's painful in understatement. Well, you know, things are die when the uber-positive Dan Ricardo looks a completely defeated man. And the Aussie was again left to rue a disastrous weekend of racing, this time at the Circuit of the Americas in Texas, where Max Verstappen took the chequered flag and a greater hold on the F1 Championship with it. Formula One reporter and podcaster Michael Laminato is with us this afternoon. G'day, Mick. Hello, guys. How are you going? We're very well. We're very well. Can we perhaps just start with Dan? Because... I tell you what, Michael, even in a season of turmoil, this was a, a disaster in Texas. So you can't help but wonder if we'll look back at this McLaren car as perhaps even the machine that kills his career. And I know that sounds uh, like a strong statement to make, but um, it's one disaster um, after the other at the moment. No, it, it's, you know what, it is. It's a strong statement to make, but it's not really out there all that much because this year should have been an improved one compared to last year. We know he had his struggles last season and this was meant to be a blank slate. He had a year to adjust to the team, how it worked, how it liked to build its cars. This year has been a step backwards. The car has been tricky. There's no doubt. It's not the car McLaren wanted to build. Even Lando Norris hasn't had quite the same highs he enjoyed with it last year, but This is the year that obviously got him sacked at McLaren. It's the year that has had him struggle to find uh, seats elsewhere. True, there haven't been that many available, but nonetheless. And it's also the one that leaves him facing a year on the sidelines with absolutely no certainty that we're back in 2024. And as you sort of said there, and we heard in, in the audio as well, he sounded pretty defeated. He has sounded defeated from time to time over the last two years, but it has even been rare, notwithstanding the fact his results haven't been that great. It's been very few occasions which he's gotten out of the car and felt like he has absolutely no answers and mm. this was this was one of them and that's that's sad to know so close to the end of the season at what could be a crucial decision making time for his, his next two years yeah the pace was just woeful wasn't it off the pace in qualifying eliminated in q1 i think maybe even the third time in the last five races that's happened and his race was nondescript i mean is it as simple as just saying this car just simply won't and hasn't been able to deliver 
Yeah, it just doesn't click for him, certainly. The car itself has, as I said, been problematic for McLaren overall, but Norris has been able to, particularly in the second half of the year, get more out of it in the way he has been. And Daniel spoke actually a couple of weeks ago and sort of tried to explain it a little bit. It, it is fundamentally that his, the way he likes to drive the car doesn't really work with the car the way he wants to be driven. He says part of the advantage Norris has over him is also just the fact that Norris has only ever driven McLaren. So he's really well suited to the way these cars want to drive, whereas Daniel has developed a driving style over years at different teams. And that's actually weirdly become a little bit of a handicap for him, if you like, with this car. And it is a funny sort of intersection of things. It's difficult to think of a, of a parallel with another driver who's struggled so badly at another team. And I think that's what will also be concerning him because, again, it has been now almost fully two seasons in which he just hasn't been able to adapt. And it's not for a lack of trying either. I think some people have been tempted to say he's, he's phoning it in at this point, knowing mm. that his uh, time with McLaren is coming to an end. But I, I certainly don't get that sense. He's not the kind of driver who would be doing that anyway, particularly knowing he still needs to sell himself to whatever he might want to do in the next two years. It really is just a little bit of a mystery. Just before we get to what happened in Austin and what might happen next in Mexico, I mean, Dan's future's obviously been the subject of a heap of conjecture. I mean, Haas wanted him. He was determined to take a season out of it. Now the rumours of a Red Bull rebirth as a, as a reserve next season when Mercedes had been mentioned. Now, how do you see it sitting at this point in time, Michael? Because uh, there's rumour, there's innuendo everywhere about what he might do next season. Yeah, there really is. And I think it is really up to him to decide. I think the reason there are so many rumors is that I think Daniel himself is not convinced of what he wants from next year. He's spoken a little bit this weekend, the last two or three weeks, in fact, he's been a little bit more open with this idea that a reserve driver role is on the cards. It is weird to think about that. A driver who's won eight Grand Prix, been in the sport for more than a decade, taking a role that's often you know, set aside for junior drivers or drivers who sort of no longer are associated with Formula One. They have sort of a de- developmental role. It would be targeted purely at just ensuring he's sort of kept in the conversation. I mean, in a really outside chance, Mercedes is still sort of a the hottest tip, if you like. The outside chance that Lewis Hamilton might retire at the end of next year then might make him an outside chance to take that seat. So it's a little bit of a last roll of the dice. We have heard a rumour now that it might be Red Bull. I'm not so convinced about that. I, I haven't heard so much about the idea it might be back to Red Bull. I think Mercedes would be the better bet. But I think it just fundamentally comes back to the idea that he's got to go out and chase whatever it is he wants. Mm. And I'm just not convinced he knows exactly what he wants. Yeah, yeah. So Formula One second trip to the US uh, this season. Michael, how'd you see it? A Verstappen win, but a pretty eventful race right from the off. Yeah, it's funny to think, you know, this has claimed the Constructors' Championship one round after he claimed the Drivers' Championship, and this is becoming one of the most dominant seasons, uh, certainly in recent history. But it hasn't quite felt like that because we've had so many good races, races in which Max has had to go out and win them, hasn't just been able to run away from it or from pole. And this was another one. He had things thrown at him. He had Lewis Hamilton thrown at him, his old foe, of course, from last year after a slow pit stop really put him on the back foot. And mm. he really had to go out and execute this race. And that in itself was a, a good and satisfying way for them to claim, of course, the Constructors' Championship. But it was also an interesting one in the sense of Mercedes' recovery because that's been one of the stories of the year, the fact that the dominant force of the last decade has really been off the pace. And for the first time, while they weren't really quite enough on the pace to go out and win this one without a mistake from Red Bull, 
For the first time, the team has felt optimistic. They've sounded like they know their problems, where they're coming from, and that they can fix them for next season. And I think that's almost the bigger thing to take out of this race than anything else, this prospect that we may get, if Ferrari certainly keeps up its game, or improves it really, based on what they've done this year, we might get that three-way battle. We all expected it was going to be the case this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought there was enough there, even though it was a mistake they seized upon. Perhaps a bit of validation after some... More adjustments for Mercedes and Red Bull well and truly back as a, as a true force now, of course. I wanted to ask you about Carlos Sainz. Obviously, started on pole. His race was over before the first lap was completed. I mean, the first corner was completed, overtaken by Verstappen at the start and then shunted into turn one. I think George Russell might have made contact. Yeah, poor guy, really, Carlos Sainz. He's felt like he's he's just been missing out on pole positions by really fine margins in the second half of the year. He's really come on tap in a way he wasn't at the start of the year. And it's funny because pole at the Circuit of the Americas is almost a little bit cursed. Five of the last seven races, the guy starting seconds actually led into the first lap. It's a, it's a weird place for pole, and that proved true again. But unfortunately, the uh, disappointing postscript was that he was absolutely punted out of the race by an uncharacteristic mistake by George Russell as well. He's better than that kind of error, and I think he's admitted that as well after the race. And it just means that Carlos Sainz continues to struggle to build that momentum, certainly at this point in the season, through no fault of his own. At the start of the year, it was his mistake. Second half of the year, it's just been circumstances out of his control. And he really wants to build some momentum into next year when it's a bit of a reset, when you feel like he's closer on pace to Charles Leclerc, who's absolutely been the leader of that team. And that could be important, of course, if the Ferrari does step up its game and becomes a real title contender, as opposed to this year where it petered out. Because he absolutely backs himself to be a championship contender. But races like this are not going to give him that momentum he'll need. Hey, we spent a lot of time, as we should, speaking about Oscar Piastri in, in recent months and years. But you've reported today on, on Jack Doohan, of course, who's, who's the son of uh, a legendary um, motorbike rider Mick. Might get a look at the Mexico Grand Prix anyway in, um, in having his first spin. Can you let us in on Jack Doohan and his development? Yeah, so he's the logical successor to Oscar Piastri at the Alpine program. They were both Alpine juniors. Piastri is, well, he technically still is, but he won't be next year. We know he's going to McLaren. And that means that Dewan sort of inherited the mantle as the most senior young driver there. And he's having a great season in Formula 2. He sort of started as a little bit of an underrated prospect. Now he's fourth in the championship and could finish as high as third. That comes off the back of runner-up in Formula 3 and a runner-up in Formula 3 Asia before that. So he's sort of got the credentials there, a little bit understated because he hasn't won them, but has always been pretty close to pace. And Alpine needs to give two of its practice sessions to a rookie driver. They are the rules. And it was meant to be Piastri. Of course, that's not going to happen because he's going to be racing for a rival next year. And they've only got three races left to do it. And mm. really, the last uh, two of those three races are, are obvious ones. And as a result, it's Jack who's getting the nod. And that's interesting because, well, if he wins the championship next year in Formula 2, and Alpine says that's what he'll be doing, he'll be racing in Formula 2 next year, then he'll have to be promoted to Formula 1 or not get a Formula 1 seat, of course. And this is now part of his preparations to essentially pick up where Piastri left off. And that's, I mean, offers the potential not only of there being maybe two Australians on the grid in a couple of years, but if Daniel comes back, of course, maybe even three. And that's really exciting. It's almost pretty much unprecedented for yeah. Australia in Formula One. And it's just great to have this young driver now to root for, for his success. The future's bright, isn't it? I was going to ask you that. I mean, I'm not sure where it, how it compares historically, but if you have two young guns coming through and, and, and Dan can get himself a seat going forward and uh, continue to contend again, then that's, uh, well, you said unprecedented, but that's exciting times to have three on the grid. 
Yeah, it really is. And three is so well rated. I mean, Oscar Piastri is rated as one of the best of his generation. His achievements are, are really massive. Matt's really only by the likes of Charles Leclerc and George Russell. And we all know what Daniel's capable of when the car works. So we certainly, absolutely hope he can be back in 2024 in a competitive seat. And, and Jack is a little bit, I don't want to say underrated, because I think now we're starting to rate him well. But he's been sort of a little bit of a quiet achiever, I think. And if he can consolidate that next season, this is only his first season in F2 mm. as well then he'll really start to be considered as a, a really a bright prospect. We may even get the prospect of, of other teams trying to bid for his services, um, and much as Alpine would hate to lose another driver. So that would be the really impressive part. Not that we might just have three sort of hanging around, but three really good quality drivers on the grid. I mean, it would be a dream. Michael, just before we let you go, I know this is a question without notice and one you might not have an answer for at the moment, but is there any talk at the moment around the calendar for next year and where Albert Park might sit in the mix and in the order of things going into 2023? Yeah, so for next year, it'll be round three. And off the top of my head, and I might get the exact date wrong, I think it's around the 5th of April, the start of April, not too far away from where it was this year. But the good news is from 2024, I think we'll have two opening rounds. So for 2024 and maybe for 2025 will be the first round again. And we have a certain number of first round guarantees over the course of the 10-year contract that starts next year, I think it is. So we will be back to round one eventually, rotating with some of the, the Middle Eastern rounds that have got it recently. But for next year, I think we're looking forward to round three. Does it make a difference, do you think? It, I think it makes a difference for, for some of the people who might be travelling to the race. There was definitely a buzz around Albert Park when it's the first race of the season, mm. the first time you get to see the you know new drivers and new cars and that kind of thing. But there is still pros to being a little bit later in the season in the sense that you kind of know who the, the sort of heroes of the sport might be, the protagonists, who needs to do well and who needs to, who needs to uh, you know, maybe defend where the positions they are. I thought this year's race actually ended up being quite good for that reason. So I don't think it's the end of the world not to be the first race of the season, but there is definitely a, a little bit of extra hype you get when you are. Yeah, and I suppose the narrative builds, though, when it comes in season like it did this year. And, and goodness me, I probably need to say after the last couple of years, we'll take it at any stage of the season, won't we? It was great to have you <laughs> at Albert Park. Michael, great to talk to you. So much happening in Formula One on and off the track. I appreciate your expertise this afternoon. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate you taking the time. Too easy. Anytime, guys. All right, mate. Catch you soon. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.